Sony shuttering stores. And the show strikes out with Sony. Alliteration. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys Happy Easter 206. Happy Easter 206. Of course, this doesn't come out on Easter, but we hope that you guys enjoyed your Easter, whether you celebrate it, don't. It's a day. Did you enjoy your Sunday that happened to fall on the same day as Easter if you don't celebrate Easter? I hope so. Me too. You know... This is a question that I just have because I didn't really think about it. When you were a kid, yeah. did you get Easter presents? Yes. Like I Easter baskets. Never, ever did. So I remember the first time I actually heard that that was a thing, I was already like 12 or 14. And I was like, well, that seems odd because, of course, I never had it. But, of course, we did it for Kyrie. It's a holiday about Jesus. you got to make it into a gift-giving holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's a way for the stores to be like, please buy stuff. Please buy pretty, that, that, that's, that's what I pretty much mean, yeah. Um, yeah, we gave it, and Kyrie was so excited this morning with her Easter basket. Yeah, she came into the room at 6.30 in the morning. I'm dead asleep. I'm so tired. She comes and she goes, Dad, I saw the Easter bunny. He brought me so much stuff. And, and then the rest of the day, I was trying to sleep for like at least another 30 minutes. She kept coming in and be like, look, he got me an LOL. She was did excited. She, okay, hold on. Did you dress up as an Easter bunny? No, I didn't. What did she see? No, she nothing besides the fact that she woke up because we put it out there last night. She woke up and before anything, first thing she did was run out and look on her little table that's in front of the fireplace. And she saw her basket sitting there. And before she even touched it, she just ran straight to us and said, the are, Easter Bunny are, are we something. sure that there's not a creepy man dressed up as the Easter Bunny in this neighborhood? Absolutely positive. Okay. But also she wrote a letter to the Easter Bunny and left it on the table. And it was like, uh, dear Easter Bunny, I love you so much. Or it was, dear Easter Bunny, you are cute and fluffy, and I love you so much. Kyrie, wholesome, wholesome. I will never forget one of the weirdest Easter presents I got. It's just odd, but uh, in like the late nineties or the early early two thousands, you know, I was like ten or eleven, and my dad would still get us just an Easter basket with candy in it. Oh yeah, it just like no toys or nothing, but just like candy. Um, but in, in one of mine, and I still don't see how this is possible, but it was still fully sealed. And I got the rainbow six game boy Advance, No game boy color game. Wait, what game boy color game. And this was in what year? I don't know. But I didn't, first of all, I didn't know there was a rainbow six on the game boy color. I shouldn't be surprised. Absolutely did. And it was not great. Oh man. <laughs> But it was sealed, and I I don't know if if he if he found a spot where he could slide the box in, that but like it, it I don't know. He Weird. knew he knew we liked like army games and stuff like that, so he just went and found some random thing. Was Game Boy Color still relevant, or was this years later? Like, why would you get me a Game Boy Color game? So let me see, what year did this come out? Well, it makes me think of like in two thousand and. I might have that 15, time, time I want to say. I walked. Yeah, okay. And actually, he probably got that for me all, like the day it came out. Because yeah. that would have been Easter-ish. I could see that. Um, I don't know if you were with me or who was with me. One of my friends was. It might have been Seth or Andrew. But this was back in like 2014 or 15. We were at Walmart for something completely different. And they had a GameCube FIFA 2006. That was... Sealed... In the thing. Was it at Texas at Walmart? And it was still $60. It was at Texas at Walmart, It was at Texas at Walmart, Walmart, Yeah, I was there. 
It was on the end cap. Too. Yeah, it, it was. was like it like was like it was like, it was like hey, check out this. Check out cool. the latest games in the world. Follow this aisle to find them. And I hoped in my mind that some kid or some grandparent rather would just be like, "My boy loves soccer." Pick it up, take it to the front, buy it, and then be like, "Here you go, I bought you the FIFA." And then he's like, got an Xbox One <laughs> with 2006 FIFA for GameCube. That'd be fun. That'd be cool to have. Um, oh boy, we'll start. We'll start the show off like we normally do, though, because it is Easter. We, I, I, I have plans. I don't know if Brett has plans, so we got to keep this show at a good pace. We got to keep the ball rolling. We're gonna start it off like normal. A little prelude to that, though. You can find out where to find us later on in the show. But uh, Brett, what have you been playing this week? 99% interestingly enough FIFA still FIFA soccer 15 FIFA 2016 huh 15 okay 2006 <laughs> uh yeah uh I am one trophy away from platinum it'll be my first ever sports game platinum unless you consider Rocket League like a sports game but I really mean like a outside of the gaming world sports game an EA sports game so it's gonna be interesting uh I'm trying to figure out what I want to play next but of course I bought Monster Hunter Rise yesterday so I'm probably going to start it what I did do, though, is booted up Demon Souls yesterday and forgot that I had turned it off right outside of the gate for Maneater, who I'd yeah. fought once and lost because that fight's annoying. But I got him first try yesterday. So two two tries to beat Maneater isn't too bad. No. no <laughs> Maneater and then the hallway after him is like where most people die. And I did do easily. that. Yeah, I did do the old monk boss fight, which is still super cool, just as a general mindset. <laughs> so we were sitting there with, with Corey uh crash the animal in our discord for those that don't know um link for that in the description but uh the old monk boss fight is the first pvp boss fight in the soul series of course and brett got somebody who was like he was acting real weird but then he just took out his his fist and started <laughs> he started i didn't die thankfully but this man was clowning me for a second <laughs> Because uh, he was being so non-aggressive at first that even Saul was like, I think he might be trying to let you win before suddenly he was behind me and, and doing a backstab. Yeah. Which the, he knocked out like three or four backstabs across that whole fight. Yeah. The, the uh, lack of compensation is, is not great in these Soul games, even if they're made by firm or not. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. But I didn't die and I finally got him. And Saul was like, it's very end. Saul was so involved. And he's like, bum rush him, bum rush him. <laughs> And I pulled out magic and thankfully got him because he didn't move. <laughs> it was an interesting time. That game is really good, and I'm actually with that with Maneater being down. I'm not that far from the end because of the way I chose to tackle the bosses this time around. I think I have like two or three bosses left. Yeah, that's good. Now, well, you think you do? Don't forget the way the end of that game. Yeah, you're right. Stacks up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Either way, it'd be interesting to see how that goes because I should be able to get back into... Actually, I already know I could for a long while. I just chose not to do it. I can go back into 1-3 now. Yeah. yeah I've been able to do that since I got the... Uh, well, let's see. Dragon God killed? Not even the Dragon God. I was able to do it since I got the... Storm Ruler? Storm Ruler. Or it's not Storm Ruler, but... but the, um, the, the, uh, the, oh, how, what is that name? I that can't boss? think of that now. Something of... I don't remember. <laughs> Either way, the Shrine of Storms boss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been able to do that for a while, but I was choosing to knock the game out kind of in a different order. So I'll be able to go back to 1-3 here soon, and that is getting pretty close to the end of that game. I think yeah. that might be... No, I have a couple of... Uh, maybe it's... Well, no, I don't remember. I think... What's the last boss in 5? Uh, the Maiden. Maiden Australia. Australia. Australia? Yeah. Maiden Australia. I think the, I've done that. The one where Garland guards you, the guy with the really cool armor. No, okay. That yeah, that you're you're right. Yep. Garland what's his actual name? Garland something. I can't remember. It's been like a month since yeah, I played it's, it. I, God, it's so long. 
it's, I mean, you know, this is still my first time coming back. I haven't beaten it on PS5 since then, but Garland Vin, something like that? Vin Garland. Vin, Vin Garland, I think that might be it. But either way, fun times. I'm going to actually come back and beat that game. That'll probably be my PS5 game that I'm playing while I'm playing Rise off and on. Garl Vinland. Garl Vinland. <laughs> we, like, fuse them together. Yeah, so we yeah. did. That's funny. Garl Vinland. I knew something weird like that. So, yeah, that's pretty much my trajectory for the next few weeks. I'm going to, like, basically wrap up Spirit Fair because I have literally one thing to do in the game that takes two seconds. And then we're going to be doing the uh, talk about that game on Spoiler Chats. And that game's really interesting. So I'm excited to talk about it and see what Chris kind of thought. We loosely know each other, but it's just a different game that I think it invites a very different conversation because a lot of it is based around how it chooses to tell its story through mechanics right. to some degree um, and keep characters tied to certain mechanics. So be interesting to talk about. I'm excited for that, but that's about it. And uh, I've still been on a little bit of my gaming sabbatical. I, I've watched all of South Park again and then watched the vaccination special in the, have you ever watched Impractical Jokers? Yes, I've watched all all the way okay. through. I love that. Show I just so started. Much. I just found out about that show. That's the reason I got HBO Max to begin with because I was getting annoyed of watching it. I was watching it on Netflix through VPN for Canada because they had it, but then they started taking seasons off, and I couldn't finish the show. So that's that's the first time I ever watched the show. It's so yesterday, good. and it is hilarious it's so funny and i get that at the same time as i I think it's super funny it's i could see someone being like boomer humor but i don't think so i think it's really good my favorite one so far is where sal is uh he's sitting in like this little cafe area and there's like there's him and just another girl and they tell him uh he's he's having a phone call and they tell him to start crying so he breaks down and she's like are you okay he's like it's gonna rain tomorrow (laughs) it's like then she offers him an umbrella it's great the Um, weirdest little things that that come to my mind about that show there's an episode where q is walking around and his his opening line that he decides to pull off to get somebody to do something for him is hey hey listen i got the cure for what else (laughs) yeah and i just that's worked its way as a saying into my vocabulary and i love it that's a good show but uh for all that i've been playing this week it's been, it's gonna be quick and easy for me all i've been playing is monster hunter rise i am in to the third or fourth uh four star hunting missions um i noticed something weird with this one i haven't made any armor at all oh so like i'm still wearing the base set of armor but now, it, does that mean you haven't had opportunity, or you no, haven't no, no, no. felt the need? I haven't felt the need, but when I started up with, uh, um, what is it, Bathion uh, in level four, it got kind of rough. Like he started, he started close to one shotting me with some of his moves. So, um, what's the base armor's actual like? I guess I should say like toughness or defense. Yeah, because like one of the reasons I always go with bone and stay with bone pretty far into those games, and then like in Monster Hunter World, where you could get the bone plus armor or whatever the what was it bone alpha armor or whatever where it was like a better version of it is because bone has like across the board protection like it's not as good as other armors in other areas but you're protected in some degree to pretty much everything in the game and i really like that aspect so i'll run bone a lot that's what i used to do back in the psp games as well is it Baryoth or is it baroth yeah that thing right there it's like a saber-toothed dragon that's sick looking and that thing has this weird wind-up move where he just... Okay, it's not Baroth, because Baroth is the little, the boy that coats himself in mud <laughs> from World. But, uh, yeah, like, some of the armor sets are really, really cool, but I've been using the longsword, because that's kind of what my main weapon was in a World, was longsword, greatsword. Um, I did the dual blades for a little bit, 
The dual blades in this is sick, by the way. If you like the dual blades at all, go go play around with that because it's so fast. It really feels good. But um, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things. Like I know there's there, there's so much left from what I have not faced. There's at least twenty four monsters that I haven't faced in here. That um, maybe maybe a little bit less. There's three on each page, and I just passed three, so it's nine. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. That's good. I'm excited to start it up. I mean, I was talking with Donovan about it, and he, I was, you know, I was saying that it'd be interesting to see it come to console since it's coming to PC, and he was unaware it was coming to PC. And his thoughts were like, "It looks great as a Switch game. It he's does. Like, it doesn't look. He's like, I don't see it looking great as a game not on the Switch." And that's why. So he was surprised it was on PC because he's like, "I don't know what you can really." Which of course, it, the answer is going to be, you know, uh, depth of field inc- improvements, draw distance improvements, way higher texturing, probably the way that they handle foliage and and different things with ambient occlusion and how they choose to make those things blend together. You can make that game look pretty, but I think even on the base design, it's always going to look like it was a game that was somewhat designed for handheld or for the limitations of the switch, regardless of what you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. And and honestly, like it feels pretty well, pretty well measured out for the handheld game, because mm-hmm. it's like, you would think that the worlds would be like small, small. They're not there. And then they're fairly, you know, they're fairly medium sized for yeah. what they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, it's, I, I find it fun. A tip for you that I just found out the other day. Um, uh, so you know how, like over the course of playing a game, you have to do stuff like you have to eat rations or meat yeah, to keep your yeah. stamina at full, and you have to sharpen your weapon. You yeah. could do all that while riding your palamute. Oh, that's cool. So, like, instead of when you're when a, when a typically what I do is anytime a enemy runs away, I resharpen my blade, and now I could just pursue him on the palamute and do it at the same time, and I could do the ration thing. And that also means that if you need to run away quickly to sharpen your thing, you have a quick exit. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can call your Palamute to ride in battle if they're busy. Because I've, I've encountered moments where, like... I'm Does mar- your Palamute fight alongside you? Yes. You can give them weapons and armor and all kinds cool. of stuff, just yeah. like your Palico. And you can assign them roles like healer and stuff like that. Nice. So it's good. So you create your own little party setup, basically? Yes. And yeah. you can customize it. Because I definitely leaned heavily into my uh, Palico's healing stuff in World whenever I was doing things by myself. I did, too. Um do you remember the NGP conference before Vita had a name and they were showing off all the different things that it could do? And one of the things was showing Monster Hunter, maybe Monster Hunter 3rd, or I'm trying to remember exactly which Monster Hunter game it was, but they were showing it in the engine improvements on Vita and how much better it looked and all the things they could do. And they kind of hinted at doing bigger open areas with that, with less loading windows mm-hmm. on Vita. And I remember for a long time since you know the game kind of just kept doing remakes of three across all the. It went Nintendo exclusive and then did not come out with a new Nintendo game. It's like the first real new Monster Hunter game from PSP days when it moved over was really just Monster Hunter World. It kept being like, we're going to make Try, and then we're going to re-release Try on the 3DS. Well, they had Generations, which I'm not sure. Let me see. Well, Generations was just a... And I could be wrong on this, but I thought Generations was just a remaster of... Generations Ultimate. Yeah, and wasn't it a remaster? It's a, no, it's it's the first time we ever got Monster Hunter XX in America. That's what it was. So it was technically a remaster of a game that we never got. Yes. Uh, and Monster Hunter Online also exists in, in um, Japan, that's and the, we never that's got That's the it. MMO one, isn't it? Yes. Or the online it's, one? Yeah. Or the real online one? Yeah. Um, so either way, my point being is that there wasn't a lot of new over here, but I almost wonder, like, with what Rise ended up being and how Rise was somewhat 
structured behind the changes they made in world i always remember back in the day i was like i'm so excited to see what monster hunter is going to look like and be designed like on vita and rise is cool to see that done in the handheld sense since that's where i'm going to be playing it but there's that part of me that always wanted to know what a vita monster hunter would have looked like ran like been designed as monster hunter generations actually looks fairly good uh the yeah that's, that's the one that they brought to switch right yeah right. Or like a year or two ago right after world yeah, like in terms of like, I think Blake bought it and said he liked it, but it was a little too different from World for him. That's okay because it still has a ton of load blocks. It because is. It's, de- it's designed that way. Okay, yeah, it it, it, it is like um, the 3ds games and the PSP games, like where you get put in this big world and there's loading. Like there's areas, and all the areas are closed off because like every Monster Hunter game has areas in them, like numbered areas, and those areas are typically closed off in those games by load walls, mm-hmm. where you walk into them and it has to load. Rise has none of that. Yeah. At least up in uh, on the worlds I'm up to, like flooded forest and icy plains and stuff like that, um, and uh, the shrine, um, forgotten shrine or whatever it's called, lost shrine, the yeah. first area. See, I'm trying to remember because the PSP ones were like uh, freedom. Freedom Unite. Freedom Freedom was good. And a bunch of stuff like that. Um, let's see. It's funny because the, the it's almost like the, the PSP ones don't count in the same way. Because you have Monster Hunter, which was a PSP one. Uh, and then you had... Uh, it eventually came to North America as a PSP Monster Hunter Freedom. That's what that was. And then Monster Hunter 2 came as Monster Hunter Freedom 2. And then they kept going. And then there was um, Monster Hunter Try. So this is where I was going with that. Monster Hunter Try eventually came on the Wii, right? But a really different version came out for PSP. And I didn't realize PS3, though. Monster Hunter Portable 3rd is what it was called on PSP. Oh. And I can't remember if it was a... I think it released everywhere. Um but only on PS3 in Japan. It was PSP in in America. So that's kind of what I was getting at. When they kept kind of doing trials, like this is just the same game I played on PSP. Yeah, it was substantially changed, but it's still basically the same game over and over again before we finally got. But he, he, I forgot about this. Monster Hunter 4 released on 3DS. I actually completely forgot about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. If it did, yeah, if it did, I did not know it that. It did, but it was very similar to Try. And, I, and then... Monster Hunter 4 may have gotten a re-release or maybe no it was Monster Hunter 3. Yeah, again, it got re- remastered for Wii U. <laughs> Cuz that's just the world we lived in. They kept coming out with the same Monster Hunter games. But. This is cool. You could actually get a sealed brand new copy of Monster Hunter on PlayStation 2 for $31. That's not that bad. Nuh-uh. That game did not get its big break until PSP for some reason. Yeah. Well, the portability in Japan. Probably, yeah. But even over here you know, it, it got big on PSP. It didn't get big on PS2 over here. I guess that's why they were smart to go to Nintendo and make that. But I'm excited. Monster Hunter is a good series, and I'm glad to see that it's managed to somewhat evolve as time has passed on and not be the same thing. Because I'll tell you right now, I'd be really annoyed at a new Monster Hunter. Like, I have Monster Hunter Freedom Unite. Or, no, I don't. I have Monster Hunter Generations. Yeah. Um, or third, whatever. Portable third. With uh, on, I have that on my PS Vita, so I can play it with dual stick support, where you can instead of having to do the old PSP claw, where you had to have your finger yeah. up to be your camera control, yeah, you can just map the D pad to the right analog stick, and I had a really good time playing it that way. But it's it's cool seeing how it's changed, and I I'm glad that you don't have to in the new games go through different areas and load. And I know that was part of the tactics back in the day, but it's just me. 
glad that it's not there anymore. That's sometimes where games move forward in a positive way. All right, well, we have... Community's Take. The Community's Take. But before we get into that, we want to remind you that this show is brought to you by you. Us and you. <laughs> us and you. I mean, yeah, technically that's what it is. It's brought to you by us, but... I guess I would say supported by you. supported by you. So if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which I promise we are always very thankful for We're we love all the people that reach out to us and, and talk with us. And we have a lot of patrons already. So thanks to all of you. But if you would like to give as little as a dollar per month to support the show, as well as all the costs that go into the equipment that we need, the hosting cost for getting the podcast out and about for you guys, head over to patreoncom slash Nartech, see what we got. Uh, and you'll get shout outs at the end of every episode and a bunch of other stuff, early access to things like the spoiler chats. And if you like movies, you can listen to the midweek matinee podcast uh, a week early or a little early, not a week as well but it's time to get into that community's take which was kind of based around the idea of last week we got the announcement that ghost of shishima is already getting getting looked at for a movie adaptation and they've already found a director and it's the director of john wick coming through so it seems quick but if i'm being honest you know how many times that the uncharted movies have had directors and scripts and then didn't come and then kept going and then at one point in time i want to say there was a director attached to a last of us movie before that fell through and now we have a last of a show so this is where we are the question at hand was while we've yet to get an actual release from playstation production since its unveiling how do you feel about playstation doubling down on bringing its gaming ip to movies shows and other media are you excited for any of the announced projects or not uh over on facebook is where i'm gonna start off josh farmier says yeah i am and it's all games i never got into last of us uncharted twisted metal but willing to watch a show or movie on it side note i think this outrage over mlb the show on game pass is ridiculous we will get in that we will in the long run i hope I, and i hope y'all appreciate the thumbnail <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one on Facebook before we head off and look at some of the other ones too, and then we'll come back around to Facebook in the long run. Um, <clears throat> I like this one because I think it's kind of a measured approach. He, it, Ken Nace over on Facebook says, I wouldn't say that I'm excited about them, but I am curious. And I think that when something hasn't really put out a product, and here's the thing, originally PlayStation Productions is just the technically a rebranding of, I can't remember what it was called. It was PlayStation something, but it was... What put out like uh, the Ratchet and Clank movie? What was originally supposed to put out the series of Sly Cooper that they announced that never came to be? It put out the Heavenly Sword CG movie that they came out with, which most people I don't even think know exists. I didn't so, know that existed until just now. Uh, it's kind of existed in the past, but since they've rebranded and kind of folded all that into PlayStation Productions and had this big idea, they haven't put out anything. So there's no reason to be excited because of the fact that you don't really have a known quantity in terms of a, oh, this release, this was really well handled, marketed, executed, great. We don't have that. So curiosity is kind of the max point, in my opinion, as well. But I, at the same time, I'm not, I don't know if I'm excited because it's hard to gauge that when you don't have much to go off of. So let's go over real quick to our Discord. We got some over there. Rude Days 93 one of our patrons, he says, I like the idea. And I want to explore these worlds PlayStation has built through other media, but I don't want to follow the same characters. I don't want another retelling of Joel and Ellie's story because chances are the live action characters aren't going to be as good and will just disappoint me. The Witcher is the only show that didn't disappoint me this way, but also follows another source material in the books. I yeah, like that answer. I agree. Yeah, that's that's honestly, you know, 
we always talk about setting our expectations high or low, depending on the movies and stuff like that. And for me, it's kind of like, if I know it's based off of a character that I already have a history with, it's incredibly hard for them to change stuff and expect me to just kind of like go along with it or just kind of not care. And that's typically where if these adaptations have problems, you know, um, the second they start changing core characters around and just kind of just messing with them, it's, it's just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I typically don't like it at all. Um, but then again, something Josh Ayers says over here on Discord, he is also another Patreon. He says, I don't really care. PlayStation is the biggest division of Sony, so they are trying to leverage the IP and popularity they have. And it makes sense. He says he goes to a movie with no expectations and he's really disappointed because of it. So he'll do the same with these screen gyms and Sony have been making video game movies for a while now, though there is some people within Sony that could help uh, if needed, but time will tell. So it's, it is it is interesting to kind of think about. Going back up to, to Rude Days real quick, and I mean, it, it all does kind of come into this, and I agree that... Of course, they're making, they're trying to leverage very popular IP. That's why we're seeing Ghost of Tsushima get a movie so quickly. They're trying to look at this flash in the bang that they have, uh, flash in the pan, whatever you want to call it. And they're like, people are loving this right now. How quickly could we capitalize on this? Which is exactly why I think that they originally thought that an Uncharted movie would make sense. Also, because Sony makes movies. So it would make sense for them to go, well, it's doing well here. Can it do well in our other business? But I like one thing about Rude Days and, and his thing specifically talking about how following the same characters is problematic and that one of the few examples and the only one he can think of is The Witcher. I agree with that because for anybody who's played the games, I kind of think what makes The Witcher so well in this situation is that we are getting to kind of follow Geralt in a time that the games don't really cover. We're getting to see kind of his origins of how he meets up with Yennefer and how he meets up with Ciri and things that the games look at as these are already established. You understand that these characters have connections and then we're going to continue to build those connections through new storylines. That's a really great way to do this. And I think it's the only way this makes sense. I think that if the last of us wanted to essentially show a time in Joel's history before he met Ellie and let you experience Joel and someone else, that would be a possibility. You know, you could work that out and it maybe wouldn't leave as bad of a taste in your mouth. Cause we've had 20 years where we don't know what Joel's Joel's doing outside of seemingly becoming a worse person than who we saw in the beginning of the game. Yeah. So when you have that opportunity here, I think that's the only way it works. And I'm highly disappointed that they chose for the HBO max or whatever you want to call it, the HBO series to bring that through with the retelling of Joel and Ellie's story. I think it's a mistake. Nobody wants to see that. And I don't understand why extending your media means just bringing them in the exact same story that you're going to change. That's what's funny. It's you're basing it off of it. But like Saul said, you're inherently going to change something to better fit the medium, but we already have expectations about that story and you're just going to screw them up. So it's, it's interesting, but there's a couple of others that I want to look at. We have over on our Twitter, Mr. Kevin Bacon Bits, another one of our patrons. He said, I'd like to see the IPs. I'd like to see some of the IPs be made into movies. Mostly depends on who they cast and write the stories. Uncharted is a good example of a series I'd like to see as a movie, but the casting, in my opinion, was pretty bad. Could still surprise me, but the, par, but the bar is set at the ground. Yeah. As much as we've complained about Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> well, and, and reason we complain about that, too, a big part of that is canon. And Matt Green makes a really good point. 
He says, hopefully they'll do a better job at doing games to movies. Most of the films are nothing like the game canon. Yeah. Which kind of goes back into like changing stuff because the medium change. And when you do that, some of the integrity gets lost in the translation. And it kind of just feels different and not in a familiar way. If there's one thing we need, it's integrity. You know what I mean? So look, I really, that is, it goes to show that most of this is coming down to people just, again, not really wanting you to play with characters. We already know Uh, a good example in a game that I can't, I don't think Saul has played, played, you didn't play Golden Abyss on Vita, right? Uncharted? I played a little bit of it, yeah. I know that you've much. seen it, but Golden Abyss was kind of the perfect idea of like, well, how do we make a, a, a Uncharted game and how do we look at characters that people know but also introduce new ones? It's like, well, Drake is our staple character. There's years of his life that are uncovered. Let's put Drake alongside new people, a new love interest, a different person who's in there because, of, cl- of course, he's had relationships in his life, right. a different friend. Let's have him teamed up with... Um, I actually can't remember the guy's name right now. Dante is what comes to my mind. I think that that's accurate. Um, but anyway, you have that, and you're kind of going through those things, and you can make something that has a character that we know and then have room to change it. Or you can do things like other things do, and what I thought the original idea of The Last of Us was, where it was like the next game won't even necessarily be Joel and Ellie again. The next game will be two new people that are in the same world, so we can continue to expound upon what makes this post-apocalyptic world we've created interesting and how people cope with it but we can do that through two new characters so we don't burn out or risk changing things in this thing which is a problem that the last of us two faced people felt like characters that they had expected things out of didn't follow through in a way that felt out of character now whether you agree or not on that those are the types of problems that can exist in that situation and when you're doing that in movies we see it happen in a game from one game to another game let alone how bad it'll be for movies so it's interesting to see this because people already complain about things like bringing a series like A Song of Fire and Ice to TV as Game of Thrones and all of the massive changes that were handled there. And then, of course, the fact that it ended when the books haven't even ended. And, and well, and the thing is, is, I think it pleasantly surprised book readers at how good it was to the books. Until. But then up in, yeah, up until the material ran out. And some of that material was good. But then the ending just fell apart. And yeah. that's because of the producers and directors at hand. Yeah, I'm going to do a couple of more here. Let's look. Mr. No Fate over here, Sean1Neo, he recently upped his Patreon pledge. Thank you, Sean. Thank Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank he you, says, thank I'm you. looking forward to the Twisted Metal series. Saul mentioned it being like Death Race, like it's a bad thing. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> I'm also excited for The Last of Us if they are following the first game, as it's a great story to be shared with non-gamers. That's a good flip, because that is the truth. Non-gamers who don't have expectations for this are probably going to like it. Yeah, like that's that's in a way kind of a positive given with this kind of stuff is that nobody who's ever seen The Last of Us or Uncharted are going to have hopefully fun times and emotional times with these. But it also feels too like, I don't know, it's just weird because you want them to enjoy themselves, but then inherently enjoying themselves at content that's different is something you don't want. So it kind of becomes a point at which you want to put more people over yourself yeah and you know there's two things here though because right the idea here for a lot of things in my opinion is that part of the reason that you would go about making a game into a movie is because of the fact that you know you have a built-in fan base of people who enjoyed the game who will be willing to go and give this a try day one then you have the 
potential fan base of people who have heard about the games, but for some reason didn't play them. Maybe they don't play games at all, but it got so big that it became common media that people just know what The Last of Us is, even if they don't know the story. Yeah. So you have that, but in the sense of where gamers who already played the game are going to go watch the movie and potentially be disappointed for changes, does the inverse happen? If you watch the show first and you get familiar with those characters based off of that story, and then that inspires you or motivates you to go play the game, and then you play the game yeah. and it's different, does that disappoint them? I really I don't know. Yeah, I, I would see that that is a, it's a thing because like it, it's the same as a book to a movie. If you go watch the movie, then you try to read the books, and the book is different. You're like, well, this isn't what I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. So, or it can be inverse if you, yeah, right. exactly. So it's a it's a weird problem across the board of trying to expand. I just think it makes more sense to take a world and expand it out in interesting ways. Like Twisted Metal is interesting because the stories were never that deep, and I don't think people have connections that way. So as long as you can do the characters somewhat justice and bringing them to life, then you can you have a little bit of free realm with the story. But also, it's not like you're going to write new Twisted Metal characters, probably. You know, I, that seems unlikely. So, yeah. who knows? Uh, let's see. Uh, what do you think? One or two more? Two more. Yeah, we'll do two more. Two more. Okay, we got uh, Danny Candyman Villobos, one of our patrons. He says, always a fan of video game movies slash shows, whether they'll be good or so bad, you're laughing most of the time. I prefer they do original stories for these films rather than adapt the first game of uh, first game of series. I'm interested in The Last of Us on HBO and still waiting to hear more news for that Sly Cooper show that once originally was going to be a movie. Exactly. It's going to be a movie, then it turned into a show, and now we just don't know anything about about it. I was actually excited for the show. Cause I think that that's kind of like the uncharted thing where you can just set it up in ways where if you want to move people around, you can create interesting stories that are new. Yeah. I always thought the best idea for an uncharted movie was to just bring us into a completely new story. But I have a feeling, hopefully I'm wrong. I have a feeling the uncharted movie is going to be loosely based off of an existing game. Just enough to be like, Hey, I see what they're doing, but it doesn't feel right. But I would love for it to be, even if I think the character casting is wrong, I'd love for it to be a whole new adventure because there's no reason that you can't. And the Sly Cooper gang, it's just like set up a new heist, set up a new issue, and this is why they're going and doing this thing. But there's one critical part of this. Sly Cooper was going to be animated, which means that there's no reason you can't change that. You have the exact voice actors you can bring in. You can you have uh, basically character designs that you're going to follow because it's animated. So the disconnect is a lot less and you can be like, ah, that's Sly, that's Sly's voice, that's Murray, that's Murray's voice, there's Bentley and his voice. This is just a new Sly Cooper story that I don't play. I think that's a big difference between the two of them. Yeah, the only time that's weird is that when they bring in different voice talent. That's, yes. That's, that's not tr- uh, to their original. Um, we'll hit what with The last one we'll hit it off off Discord with Awesome Dave1337, a.k.a. Elite. He says... I think I'm going the route of big movies is a mistake for most of their franchises. I feel as if television shows would be better, and depending on the IP, animated may be better than live action. Cha-ching. I look at Castlevania on Netflix. That show works so good in that format and allows there to be more world-building, if needed, instead of a 90-120 to minute movie. I also go into any adaptation of video games with very low expectations, so that I can really only be surprised or pleased with them. It's kind of similar to Josh's thing. They go in with little to no expectations so that you can be surprised. Yeah. I did like Danny, uh, Danny Villobos saying that they're so bad that you just laugh. 
because there are times where I'm just watching things like I told you and I want to finish it so I have a better ability to say because worst case scenario I'll just have a good time and laughing at it but I watched Aquaman and the first 25 minutes of that movie were so bad that I first questioned how is this the movie that made a billion dollars it's the only DC movie that did a billion dollars but then I also stopped and said, well, this is actually really hilarious, which is kind of what my, like why I thought Twilight was fun to watch. So I could see it. I want to watch it because either it gets better and changes my opinion or it stays that bad and I just crack up laughing for an hour and a half. You got to go watch The Fanatic. Actually, we should have all done that yesterday. Yeah. That's the one with John Travolta directed yeah. by Fred Durst. Yeah. Oh, boy. Next time. Fun times. All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing that. If you want to be part of the community's take for next week, remember that you can find us on Facebook by going to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast and app, uh, asking to be joined in that group. We will get you in there. You can head over to our Twitter at Triangle SQRD, or you can go to our Discord where we have a dedicated chat room for the community's take where we ask the question and get you guys to answer it. The link for that is always in the description below our episode. So go click that through and join. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. All right. It's time to break into news. And it's an interesting week for news. We're going to start with the slower, more mild stuff, and we're going to work up to probably the more controversial things. Yeah. <laughs> so this is almost going to feel like an old episode of Triangle Squared where we're kind of saving those for main topic just because they're the biggest. But yeah, first thing up, Insomniac have been busy continuing to support their already released games with the addition of the advanced tech suit in Miles Morales, uh, the latest update for that game, as well as adding realistic muscle deformation on specific suits on the PS5. Um, the muscle deformation, in case you're not aware, They've had this in some games, but it basically realistically affects the surface material of the suit in question, whichever one that it has, and it'll bring that extra level of detail to the game where you twist your arm and you'll see that the suit actually kind of wrinkle and move around to account accommodate you moving your muscles. Um, it's something that we saw happen with skin on certain characters on like PS3. One of the cool things for God of War PS3 was that Kratos had muscle deformation under his skin. Oh, so cool. while he was climbing, you could see like his bicep actually twist like and move his skin. Yeah, that's cool. Really cool. Uh, so it's cool seeing it here because this is a very dense world uh, with a lot of stuff going on in it. Uh, they aren't done there though because Ratchet and Clank's PS4 reboot has been updated to be playable in 60 frames per second on PS5. And this game recently hit the Play at Home initiative. So a lot of people are going to be able to jump into this either for the first time and enjoy it at a better uh, setup than it was already, which was already beautiful. Or you can revisit the game with this new smooth glory. I'm so glad to see them continuing to push more games up to 60 frames per second with these patches. Yeah, that's always kind of a welcoming thing is better performing games. Uh, and it gives people who are on PS5 who have one a, a bit, a little bit more bang for the buck if they haven't played these games yet because they get to experience them differently. It's like we talked about beforehand where before we knew much about the system, which they finally kind of confirmed that this was going to be the case, Saul and I both applauded Microsoft's enhanced backwards compatibility, and that's what this is. This is bringing these games up and letting you play them in a bigger, better frame rate. Uh and that's actually something that the Xbox One didn't get to do quite as often because of CPU limitations. As much as it was able to bring Red Dead Redemption up to a 4K image quality, it would have been awesome to be able to have Red Dead at a 4K image quality and 30 frames per second and maybe like a 1080p image quality going up from its 720 with a 60 frames per second. But we all know why that didn't happen. And we're seeing that now because Xbox has the frame rate boost fe uh, feature 
for older games that can go in and double the frame rate on a lot of games that are not designed that way. It's something that it's doing to the code to split it up and kind of recompile it. And that's always pretty cool. Yeah, that's a cool feature as well. And I think Xbox is doing a phenomenal job in that. We'll talk a little bit more on that on a later news topic. The um, next thing, though, is while looking at PS5 upgrades, the Elder Scrolls Online update is bringing its next-gen update to players on June 8th. This update includes support for 60 frames per second in performance mode. Again, that's 60 frames per second on console's dream. Uh, if you have the game in performance mode, that is. Uh, it also has increased draw distance, fully unlocked high-resolution textures that the PC has enjoyed for a long time, improved reflections, ambient inclusion, shadow detail, and depth of field, which hopefully that means that you can adjust your depth of field because as Destiny 2 has proven, I want to go wide, baby. Mm-hmm. If you want to toggle the game to fidelity mode, you can do so to get an even more crisp image at a stable 30 frames per second if for some reason that's more your speed. I implore you, though, try 60 frames per second. Let it into your heart. I've converted them. I think he has. Because I'm telling you, I was kind of okay with 30 frames per second, and I still am when the game doesn't have an option. But if that game has a 60 frames per second option, there's no way in hell I'm playing at 30. I'm excited that this game got this update because that was one thing that at the time of us playing Utter Scrolls Online... Held it back. It Yeah, that game was very held back visually. Yeah. Draw distance is a big one. Yeah, I, absolutely. And it was weird because, you know, you'd have parts of the games where you'd be like, okay, yeah, this looks like Skyrim in a lot of ways, but Skyrim had much better draw distance. Yeah. Probably because it didn't have to account for a bunch of players being around. But for as cool as some of the art direction was there, it had muddy textures, bad Very resolution, muddy. bad reflections. So at how I won't even say bad. And this is also Saul and I playing a game, what, six years ago, five years ago, when we were kind of getting into it for a Been while. a little bit longer than that. Yeah. So I'm excited to see this come up. And also they were showing screenshots of it with a, a solid air, uh, what? What is the name um, of the actual city that has the big overarching cliff and the thing? It's in Skyrim up in the northwest part Solitude. of the map. Solitude, yes. Uh, that was cool. It showed screenshots of that, and it actually looked a lot like Skyrim, but way prettier. That's good. <laughs> I kind of want to look at these now. Yeah, so that's, that's, it's interesting seeing how that comes out and how they've added everything to this game. You know, for a long time I thought we were going to get an Elder Scrolls game per area. And now I guess that it's just like every area will have already been somewhat fleshed out specifically in Elder Scrolls Online. I still would hope to see the games do something different and not lean too heavily on this. But yeah, Skyrim is definitely the area they show the most in this. Hmm. Is that all? Is that fully playable in, in this game now or something? And I, and now it's not the exact landscape because they do their own things to a degree, but yes. Okay. From what I understand. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but the Dark Heart of Skyrim brought basically the Skyrim area. That's pretty good. That yeah. looks pretty dope. And it looks armor. a lot better. And it's free to play. So this is something that people can dip in and try at this higher setup and then go from there. Um, you just have to buy the continued updates. Yeah. So, you know, you can free to play the base game, but if you want to do more than that, you got to do a little bit of spending, which is a good, in my opinion, that's a good setup. And I'm glad more and more games have, have leaned toward doing that. Uh, but moving on to the next thing, while Saul enjoys the crisp visuals, look, there yeah, you are. Yeah, that does look Told really you, good. it looks really good. Um, PS Plus games for April have been revealed. As we already knew, Oddworld Soulstorm headlines the list as our PS5 title for the month as a day and date release on the service, continuing PlayStation's effort at keeping PS Plus a great value specifically for PS5 owners, if we're being honest. Yeah. They're doing a good job with PS4 because the list is rounded off with Days Gone and Zombie Army 4 Dead War. 
And all of these titles are available on April 6th, which is the day after this episode goes live. But while I think they're still doing a great job with PS4, PS5 is really shining with all these day and dates. And there's no reason for them to do that on PS4 right now, understandably. So at least they're doing it. And then the cool thing, too, here is that like Days Gone, even though it's part of the PS Plus collection, if I'm not mistaken, you can play with um, updates for PS5 that really make that game beautiful. So it's cool that a lot of these games we're getting for free or through PS Plus are basically better running versions of the PS4 game to begin with. I wonder, does Subnautica have one? I don't think so. Um, though it may have some improvements uh, behind just standard backwards compatibility, or you know what I mean, um, enhanced backwards compatibility. Yeah. Game Boost, isn't that what it was called on PS5? All these features so. that come in. Yeah. Because it was Boost Mode on PS4 Pro, and I think it's Game Boost on PS5. Um Anyway, that's pretty cool, and I'm glad to see that come down. We've had a lot of day-and-date releases for PS Plus on PS5. I hope that continues to be the case. I'm a little worried that they're only going to do that like first year, and then they're just going to drop off. We'll see. We'll see, yeah. Uh, In a surprise move, EA continues to dive back into sports series that have been long dormant, as we saw with their announcement of a new EA College football while back being in development. This time, they are bringing back professional golf to the masses with a new PGA Tour in development. Much like the college football game, there is no estimated release window given. It's rather just an announcement that development is on, is uh, starting or ongoing to some degree. So give it some time. Hopefully, you'll be there. I know a ton of people were excited about um, college football, and it seems to me a lot of people are very excited about PGA Tour. Saul, you're a big Madden guy, or you were at one I'm point. I'm not a big Madden guy. You were at one point. Okay. But we're, and I say this because you're right, you haven't played them in a long while. Back whenever you were a little more into Madden, were you, uh, did you ever care about the whole Madden NCAA thing? Not really, no. Because Andrew, you know, Andrew is diehard NCAA. (laughs) I played both of them. Yeah. They were just, I never played golf unless it was like Mario Golf or like the fun golf games. I know I'm probably going to like ruffle some feathers here because I don't play the football games I never had. I always thought that they were basically the same game, just one had college teams. And one had NFL teams. Now, of course, that means you have the ratings for those teams and whatnot as well. You're not going to ruffle my feathers. That's that's one thing that's it's, you're not far off. I mean, for, me. one thing that someone told me that I thought was kind of cool is that they said the simulation aspects of the the college was a lot better because it was like you had to study and uh, pass tests. Not like you had to do a test, but you had to have go through. And if your character wasn't prepared enough and failed the test simulation or whatever, then you couldn't play in the game, which would have negative impacts on your ability to get drafted, all sorts of stuff. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big golf buff either. I have played and enjoyed some golf games, but most of the time there were little anime golf games that are kind of not entirely realistic. So I don't know. PGA like tour. Golf. Great yeah. Games. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a bunch of fun golf games. Um, you know, too bad we don't get one that's kind of like... You remember the South Park episode where they have... Uh, it was right around the time that he was going through the thing with his wife. And he had um, basically been cheating on her and whatnot. Um, who? I don't know how I'm forgetting his name right now. Tiger Woods. Oh, yeah. And uh, South Park had the episode where like the newest PGA tour was like you and the wife fighting and going through, and it was a fighting game. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. I would actually have loved for someone to make a game like that. It would have gotten in tons of trouble, though. Absolutely. So it is what it is. But I'm glad that someone is going to be excited about that. And also, what the EA is just 
on fire with just announcing games right at development. Right. Hey, we're going to do a new skate. You don't know when it's coming, nor do we, <laughs> but here it is. It's interesting. I, it's it's a bold move because I think for so long, the beginning of this generation, people were really hating companies announcing a game's existence and then being like, why haven't we seen this game? It's four years later. And it, all of this reeks of that. I hope it's not that long. It just reeks of it. Right. Kind of wow. like, we still don't know, Project Athia reeked of typical Square Enix. We announce it and you won't see this game for potentially an entire generation. <laughs> so... That's exactly how people set up their expectations. Um, Another delay hits as Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which originally was revealed back in 2019 with an intended 2020 release since pushed back to spring 2021 before ultimately being pushed back last week with no further release window specified by developer TT games. So if you were excited for it, you're going to have to hold off a little bit longer. It's your typical delay message. They want to make the game as best as they can, so they're pushing it back with no date, probably so they don't have to deal with another actual delay. Rather, just uh, we won't announce it again until we have a date. Smart. Yeah, keep keep quiet till you can show us stuff. Also, though, I, I, w- I won't say them because of, this is a little different. Don't show a game in 2019 that's not going to release until 2022. Absolutely. But pandemic. That's 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 the one catch, but I feel like that it's there's the saving grace. Yeah, there's always weird transparency with that because you never know who's lying about the delay because of the pandemic and whoever. I think there's two things here. I think the pandemic and then the fact that because the pandemic has pushed the game back, there's more expectation for the game to release day one on next gen consoles. So development's probably gotten harder because day one they want to be able to have a PS5 specific release. So now you have to develop a little more than you would have, and it pushes that date further back. But hmm. we don't know that. Right. And that's kind of the reality. Um, After enjoying a nice revival from its PS5 release and being a PS Plus game, Maneater is finally ready to swim back for more action with the reveal of its first DLC, Truth Quest, which bumps the level cap from 30 to 40, adds a new maximum shark size, five new organ evolutions to change up your playstyle, and once you hit level 40, an additional organ slot. Doesn't say exactly what it's going to be, so I'm curious about that one. Uh, it's got an all-new region to explore in Port Clovis. Chris Parnell comes back as Trip Westhaven to narrate this deep dive into the dark secrets of Port Clovis and the Naval Wildlife Organization for his YouTube channel, Truth Quest, which again brings us back to the name of the DLC. This releases sometime this summer, not at a, a specific date just yet, and for $14.99. I am personally excited for this. Really like this game. I hope that there's some way they can do a new game and kind of keeping with the style, but not being water-based again. Like, I don't know exactly what you do, but just for the sake of saying something like be a bear in the, in the mountains it's that runs jungle, around and kills everybody. A jungle game and you're a tiger. Yeah. Something like that. It would be cool, which there's been games that have kind of messed with that, yeah. but I don't feel like they've ever been as successful as this. Absolutely not. What was life of black tiger about? <laughs> Oh no! Let me Google it. I know it wasn't that. Also, Life of Black Tiger, Tiger looked like a 2006 like Korean MMO graphically. I want to see what the like to dislike ratio on this video is. Seventy three thousand dislikes. Whew. Sixteen k likes. That's more than I would have given a. Sony God. thought ah. to put their logo over this game. Yep. Just like Sony thought to put their logo over MLB The Show, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll talk Segway. about in a little bit. Now. Um, 
it's real interesting to see this go off, but I want to see what they can do next because I think that game was awesome, and I think $15 for this DLC sounds cool. I love how they're kind of leaning into If you look at the logo, it's Truth Quest underneath, and it's kind of like the shark, the Maneater Shark logo in the middle of like an Illuminati triangle. So I clearly think they're going to run into some pretty interesting stuff. My hope to a degree, even though I don't think they'll go there, I think Saul would like this too, is that what they'll do. God, that looks so bad. I'm sorry. Saul is watching the Life of Black Tiger trailer. Uh, but what would be kind of cool here with what they're doing, and they're talking about these dark government secrets and whatnot, I kind of hope that they bring in some Cthulhu slash Lovecraftian horror in this. That would be pretty cool. Where you end up finding the gate underwater for Cthulhu and being able to open it up. I'm sorry, Cthulhu, because that's technically how you yeah, pronounce it. it it's, nobody pronounces it right, though, so it's fine. Yeah. I even pronounce it Cthulhu. That yeah, would be awesome. Cthulhu. And if somehow along the way you end up getting to max yourself out as like some kind of Lovecraftian shark, Sweet serenity. I would play it then. Yeah. So I was like, I have no interest, but that would be interesting. I'd play it. Well, I will. I will confirm that much once I finally get around to playing this for you. Did you? I'm assuming you at least uh, added it to your library. I played like an hour of it. Oh, you did. Yeah, it's okay. just not the game for me. I got you. I would argue though, the first hour is the worst hour. Oh, I'm sure it is. That's true of a lot of games. That's the first five hours of Red Dead Two are the worst of that game. <laughs> But I said that just to annoy Blake, by the way. So you're welcome, Blake. It is a slow starting game. It is a slow starting game. Next thing up is the first big piece of news. So we didn't, I didn't feel the need to cover it last week because it was a rumor and it at the time was seeming like it might be unfounded. But I think everyone to a degree who questioned the gamer owes them somewhat of, a, of an apology because it ended up being correct. A rumor that Sony was shuttering the PS store for PSP. PS3 and PS Vita was confirmed by Sony this past week. Starting July 2nd, the PS3 and PSP stores will no longer be accessible to purchase games, but the ability to access your purchase list and re-download games will remain at least for the time being, hopefully forever. The same happens for PS Vita. I think this is where the controversy really starts, in my opinion, on August 27th. Now, there's a lot here. The reality of this is... The reason we've not seen other people do this, I think, is because the other real competition in this space is Xbox. Nintendo has not had an ever-running store that moved along. Nintendo's store was so bad last generation that if you changed consoles, even if you bought a game digitally, unless you had the old console still there, you just could not get your game back. So when you think about that, we put PlayStation and Xbox together. This screams of the same problem Sony's had for a long time, affecting their ability to change usernames and all these other things, where my assumption here is that every single one of these stores is a completely separate server instance because of the way that their backend network is created. And I think a big reason why this is happening is that they're trying to cut cost of keeping these servers up for each one of these things for machines that, for the most part, are dead. And to that degree, I'll say that PSP and PS3 make total sense. Yes, you can get on the store and you can buy games, but there has not been a new release for any of those systems. Uh, for PSP, there's not been a new release in probably eight years. I would argue that for a PS3, you've probably not had a new release in at least six years. I think the reason I say the controversy starts on PS Vita is that there were still new games being developed for Vita. There has been a steady release of games releasing on the Vita, at least, and honestly, this is probably underkill, but there was at least a new game for Vita a month, probably one every two weeks, sometimes even more. That is what makes, I think, Vita seem so interesting. Now, the flip side of this argument 
is that Microsoft have done such a good job at continuing their gaming legacy by keeping older games available for purchase. But I think that comes down to how much more smartly designed Xbox Live was. And I would be willing to argue that the reason the 360 store is still accessible is because it's probably the exact same server instance as the Xbox Series X store. All it's doing is saying, okay, cut it down to where it's only games that can play on this system. You create a wall, and that's all you see. Whereas PS3 is probably 100% its own store. PSP, 100% its own store. Vita, own store. Yeah. PS5, PS4, probably. PS4 and PS5 may be a singular store. I think that that actually is the case. It's probably something that they thought about and were able to think and, and kind of work out for the future for PS4 and PS5. Yeah, kind of engineer that instance to be able to be a possibility. But here's my big question for you, Saul. As mm-hmm. a digital player, how do you feel about this? I don't care. You don't care at all? Anybody should know that if you ever want to fully transition into digital gaming, you know the repercussions that could potentially happen. Now, granted, Vita is the one outlier where... Yeah, that, that Vita should not be included in this. Vita should have a good another four-ish years at most. It, if nothing else, it should have at least a year in advance of announcement so that developers have more time to choose whether they want to start development. Well, that's why I figure four years, anything currently in announcement can end in that four years. Nobody knows to start it like, and put sales on things and be able to plan everything out. Um, that, that Vita is the one I actually have an issue with, so it's not fully true that I don't care. But I know that there will be a day where I cannot download the Demon Souls PS5 version mm-hmm. because it won't exist. It yep. will be in a store that is shut down. Now, that is a worst-case scenario. That would mean that Sony would have taken the measures to never be able to make this game applicable in a library. So if the library portion's still up and I don't have it downloaded, you, I don't know how that's going to work. Is there a workaround around that? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But... Well, it's, you already owned it, right? So, like, in this position, even if we want to go back and say Demon's Souls Digital for PS3. Yeah. If you've already bought it right now, and hopefully for the foreseeable future, you can still download it. The yeah. bigger problem here is that, let's in, say someone, for some reason, wants to revisit the original Demon Souls. Thankfully, the PS5 version honestly is the original Demon Souls with a new spit coat of paint. That's pretty much all it is. But for some reason, if someone wanted to go back to PS3 and experience it in its original blandness, I love the game, but I'm be honest, it it's, is bland. It's bland. Um, you you just can't now unless you buy it physical. Now, of course, it exists physically. So the, the I think the big interesting thing here is, of course, Vita, a machine that I think de facto be kind of became digital heavy. Not only because it's portable, but because Sony's kind of stopped supporting the thing and have lowered the amount of cartridges that they create so people can release physical. It got to a point where it's indie heavy. These games aren't releasing physical unless something happens later. But it's an interesting thing to happen when you're right now trying to promote an all-digital system. Because it feels like, why would I buy your all-digital PS5 if you can't even support a non-all-digital other platform? Yeah, and, you know... It's just, it is odd, but it's something, it's not even odd. It's just unexpected for the short amount of time for Vita for certain. And I've said this before, you know, I know that there will be a time in which if there's a game that I want and I don't have it, then it will no longer be accessible to me. But that's the thing. That's, that's how I operate in terms of how I buy games. If I want a game, I will buy it. I don't wait. And if I don't, if I miss it, it doesn't affect me at all because I didn't intend on planning on playing it at all. And the chances are, if it's on, you know, 
in the what, what year did PS3 come out? 2006. PS3 came out in seven. 2007. Seven. PSP came out in 2004. Okay. See now, and PSP, you know, that's 16 years ago. But when you when you have the PS2, 2005. My apologies. 2005. It, it was 2004 in Japan, and that's why I wanted to go back through. So for us, 2005. Okay. March. So and in 2007, you know, 14 years ago, um, which is crazy sounding. Tell me that's not crazy sounding. It is, yeah. But in that 14 year time span, if I wanted a PS3 game digitally, I would have gotten it already. Um. So it doesn't affect me in that nature. That's I am not a patient gamer, but I am recently I have not been like a release date gamer. I did that with Rise, and that's because you know I was there's nothing I'm playing right now currently, and it seemed like a good fun time, and it was. I took the chance, and it was. But it's one of those things that it's it's just not a bother to me now. To everybody else in the world, I feel like that. The more and more we get into digital stuff, the more and more you're going to have to understand this kind of concept of how this how this works. You know, servers don't last forever. Servers sometimes have to uh, migrate and, and and be refreshed, and you may lose stuff in that. But that's just kind of how digital nature works. And as long as you're okay with that, or if you understand that that's a possibility that happens, and you kind of prepare for it by getting the games you want when when you can. Um, it's not a massive deal for for you. Um, I see a lot of people saying like, "Well, this is why I don't digital game. This is terrible." Is it terrible? Like for you in particular, because if you don't digital game, this doesn't affect you at all. Mm-hmm. If you do digital game, you would have you could go still go buy the game until it comes out. Yep. But this is how like until a console breaks through, and currently the only one doing it is Xbox. Until a console breaks through and shows that this one console can last six generations or whatever. Yeah. In terms of like this is stuff you could play. This is this has always happened. Yeah. And it was only a matter of time. The only time though that this is the this is the one time, in my opinion, where I'm like, yeah, PS Vita, that's too quick. It is too quick. Entirely too quick. And I I think that there's a reason to say nothing new for this system has come out in five years. We just got to call it quits at some point. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. New first party. To your point real quick, though, I think that there's two things that are kind of interesting about this. Because of the way that games are right now, and a, lo- a big argument towards this is game preservation. And that's where I think Microsoft is excelling right now. Because they're doing everything they can to try and let you play as many games as possible going all the way back to the start of their 2002 existence yeah. of the gaming company. Now, of course, it's not perfect. There are plenty of games on the Xbox that you just can't play because for licensing purposes or some reason they can't get it back. But they're doing a really good effort at trying to expand that as much as possible and even trying to find ways like enhanced backwards compatibility to not only let you still play those games, but in a way that looks and runs better than it originally did. But in this world, certain games exist non-physically because of the you know prevalence of indie gaming, and the the purpose of that is to be cheap, and you can self-publish, and you can come out and say, I can't afford to make have someone make this game in terms of physical distribution and whatnot, but I can afford to pay for this game to get submitted. Okay, I've passed certification, and now it goes out in the store. Right. And then I'll have to handle any payments that go towards updates for my own things that I want to do with the game. That's a more reasonable cost. So when you have that, there are a number, because PSP, PS3, and PS Vita all have games. PS3 and PSP were the first of uh, PlayStation systems, of course, to do this, that exist entirely online. And the reality is, is that someone who's joining gaming and really wants to uh, go back and enjoy a game that was digital only, but they didn't have a system or a way to buy it until after this is done, can't play that game. And that is an unfortunate 
reality. And I do think that there's something to be said when a company that came out way later than you and in terms of a lot of people's opinions, and if you just want to look at general sales data, is not even doing as well as you, why are you letting them completely outshine you in preservation of your own gaming history? I, I mean this in no bad way at all. In my opinion, Sony has had a much bigger impact on gaming as a whole than Microsoft has, partially because they've been around for a lot longer than Microsoft has in the gaming space, and specifically console. I'll say that, console space. And the fact that they are getting lapped around by Microsoft in this regard is wild. And, you know, really, I wish that there was more Xbox series that I just really loved because that's why I bought the One X. One of the main reasons I bought the One X was to play Fable in 4K. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a dumb amount of money to spend to play one game. I didn't even beat Fable 2 whenever I started it. I mean, I was like, I'll try it. But that was primarily why I bought it. And then Red Dead was kind of there. But it's really cool that they're looking at that aspect of me and like, you know, maybe we don't have as many IP that are just massively big. I mean, of course, they have huge IP. Halo changed gaming forever. Xbox Live changed gaming forever. Xbox have had a lot of big impact on gaming. But Sony don't seem to want to preserve their hits as much and be like, you know, we brought racing games to consoles for the first time in a way that was really simulation based. And we started a whole new wave of something that even today is very heavily computer, but here we are with it there. Microsoft clearly came out with Forza because there was a need for that Gran Turismo like experience on Xbox. These things exist. And yet there's no way for me to go back right now and play Gran Turismo one on PS five. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, it, I think that I saw this comment being thrown around, and this is actually a generalization I hate, and it's that digital gamers are the problem with game preservation, and that's that's factually false. That is 100% not the case. You do not see any major, keyword major, slowdown of production of physical games because game, like digital gamers are a thing. You don't see none of that. You don't see them getting... If digital gamers were that big into the industry that that people are making them out to be as the enemy of this digital games would be cheaper there'd be physical games would be higher it'd be it'd be a it'd be a completely different the scenario. marketplace would be a lot different than yes. it currently is I and agree. and honestly people who are digital gamers like they say like in my opinion i think digital gaming is a big footprint footprint in the preservation of gaming because that digital copy may get some kind of weird strike against it get taken off or it may get some kind of shutdown and get like the, that we've seen that in turn in, in typical most big triple a games i'm not including cyberpunk in this because that's like a double negative f game that's not even a triple a game but um you see that this stuff never happens it's very very rare and it's very it's very rare to think of any game it, it it's not very it's never happened never has a game that i wanted to play or that i have downloaded has been taken off the market ever it's never hit me and chances are it's just a rare occurrence to happen but somebody brought up and i don't remember who it was either in discord or um twitter but they were saying that that blu-rays do break down and they eventually will not work and yeah, it was blake and okay. he was talking about degradation of physical media yeah. which is a reality it is yeah. and i honestly think that that is that is 
just something to look out for just the same as if your thing you know if you're if you're worried about your game getting taken away all that takes you is for you to accidentally drop a blu-ray and it hit the ground wrong and it has a chip and it doesn't play anymore yep then that game's guess for a cd rom you could have a cd from a ps2 game that you have that's that you accidentally dropped or they got a nick in it or a scratch and then now it's not readable and then it's gone and then you have that physical game and then that's it but that I just want to get my last two cents off there before I moved off. That I think that digital gaming is very important to preservation because that is a pushing factor behind backwards compatibility. There is you're, you, nobody... Because you're not locked to a single... Well, not only that, the people who want backwards compatibility don't have the disc. If they have the disc, they have the console to play it on most of the time. There is outliers there who just collect games. But... It is it is people who do not have the disc anymore, who do not have the consoles anymore. People who who, who, who wake up the, one day and go, I would really like to play Resistance One. Yeah. I've never played it and I can't. Yeah, and they don't have the the PS3 version of it. They don't have the PS3 to play it on. But then there could be a marketplace that would sell it, and I think that's where game 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 preservation is important in the digital age. Because I've said this before, I guarantee you, in the next ten years, that's where it'll be moving to. Now, th- this is a quick one because I do think that part of the reason that. I brought up at the very start of this, this seems like this is Sony having to deal with the reality of them rushing an online solution to market to basically combat Xbox. Um, They're continuing to deal with this. But I think one of the things that might be happening here is that I'll give PlayStation this. Their version of preserving game history is to let companies, excuse me, let companies like Bluepoint and other ocean and these other developers that they're kind of leaning on for these remakes to come in and allow you to play these games in a modernized sense, but where they're still basically the same game. Structurally, it's the same. Mechanically, it's the same. But you're going to see it with like, oh, it's all new art design and whatnot to make this. Or art design that is inspired by the original but brought to modern standards. And I think Demon Souls and uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake and even Medieval remake are really strong examples of how you can sit there and push that out. But Sony's not doing that so much because they want to be good guys and preserve gaming only. That may be a part of it, but of course their thing is we can sell this game that we've already made and done before for $70 in Demon's Souls' case, mm-hmm. $40 in uh, Shadow of the Colossus's case, $30 in Medieval's case. There's monetary benefits. Now, there's monetary benefits to backwards compatibility, and a big reason why Xbox had motivation to do that is because they knew they could get people to buy older games from 360 and original Xbox and continue to make money off of games without having to always release a brand new title. It's a smart way to make money. It's a cool thing to do. I think the one unfortunate thing about this is somewhat true of TV and streaming, and as things go towards a digital world, is that we're getting to a point where things are going to be harder to deal with because of the fact that it pushes people towards doing things illegally in some degrees. I think taking down the, the PS Vita store this way is going to push people to mod their Vita who otherwise wouldn't have. And we're happy to support it because now they're just going to make sure they can get every game they can by modding their Vita and being able to download the dumps of these games, be them digital only games that never released. People can still make dumps of them and uh, let you download them. And I think that Sony doesn't want that, but what's your other solution? What else can you do? And that's the reality of why these things even happen. You can drive people to do illegal things because they're left with virtually no other thing. Do you want to play Freedom Wars, but you never got around to buying it, and now you can't anymore for whatever reason? Oh, well, you can either pay $160 for it physically, or you can mod your Vita and download it from completely free. 
And the reality is a lot of people don't have $160 to buy on a game that they don't know if they're even going to like. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's the problem. And that's kind of what Nintendo faces in a way too. It absolutely is. So we're, we're off on that one, but I think that that's actually going to come back around to being something involved with uh, the community's take. It might be this next one. We'll kind of gouge, uh, gauge it out. The next thing is kind of in reference to what Josh Farmier said earlier on Facebook in terms of his thought that the outrage over MLB The Show on Game Pass is ridiculous. Now, Josh, I would love a little more, and I should have asked there. I didn't think. I didn't realize. I try not to read these too much. Um, I want to know exactly what you mean, and I want to know what the outrage is that you think is ridiculous. We are about to say our opinions, and I, while I don't completely know Saul's, I think that this is actually a situation where Saul and I may agree. In my opinion, um, let's lay the groundwork for this. So MLB The Show 21 has been known to be going multi-platform, or actually MLB The Show in general has been known to be going multi-platform since back in 2019. And this is the first year where that's the case. And... Apparently, it's also joining Xbox Game Pass as a day-and-date release. So it's brought on a lot of questions. Despite being developed by Sony, San Diego, it appears that Sony is only publishing the title for their systems, while MLB takes that responsibility for Xbox and PC. So this starts to answer some of the questions, to a degree. I think that the question of why would Sony let a game that they're publishing go to Game Pass... Well, that's because they're not publishing this version. So the argument would be that this deal must have been made with MLB. Now, here's where the question is, in my opinion. Is MLB, did Sony not publish on Xbox and PC because they didn't want to? Or did Sony decide, or did Sony not have the option? When MLB said this has to go multi-platform, did they say you publish for you and we publish for the other two? And the reason I bring that up is because there is a strong argument, in my opinion, that letting a game that has always been your exclusive and a very strong performing exclusive from you developed by your in-house team go to your competition and go to your competition not for free, but as part of a thing that they probably already pay for or that might draw them to buy it or pay for it and then get a lot of other games out of it, while you yourself make the, make the game $70 on your system $60 for the PS4 version, and then the PS4 version won't play on PS5 with a free upgrade unless you buy the $85 special edition. When you put all those things together, I think that there's a thing where, no matter what, Sony had to have been in on this. There's no way that Sony didn't know that Microsoft was getting this game on Game Pass. Right. There's no way that they didn't have the opportunity as the developer to come in and say, Oh, that's what they're doing. Our way to combat this is going to be to bring the cost down on both consoles down to 60, create free upgrade path for PS4 users to go up, and at least try our best to create a value on our side. I think that they've doubled down and just been like, we're going to make the game less of a value on our side because we can. And I personally agree with people here that this is a strong show from Xbox and working with MLB. And part of my hope is that maybe Sony, Sony didn't know this and they were somewhat you know, arrogant in their choice to not, if they had the choice to not publish on Xbox. And that's how all this came to perspire. Honestly, I, I would hope that they would know just because companies like that will feel vindictive. If like they feel slighted, which obviously 
I don't know if this is considered slighted or not for what Microsoft is doing, but you gotta you gotta admit Microsoft hit the nail on the head or the ball out of the park, I guess we could say with this being baseball, um, on the fact that they are getting it day one free for Games Pass users. They're getting it in general, and that the way that the game is being handled in the form of an upgrade path is is literally fifteen extra dollars. It's it's <laughs> r- ridiculous. The outweigh of the system is. Is, is tilted so far to Microsoft's court. Now, something we've said a million times and I'm not even going to really talk about, I'm just going to remind everybody that I personally do not care about exclusivity if it moves. I do not care. I think it's good. I think uh, Microsoft getting, um, or not Microsoft, Steam getting Horizon Zero Dawn when they did was perfect timing. You know, it, it, it had its while, it had its chance on PS4 to get the DLC bug fixes and everything else out of the water and for everybody to play it. And then when it wasn't no longer as profitable to them as possible, it moved to steam and then it allowed all the people on PC who hadn't played it a chance to play it. And I think that's the way to go. So for me, honestly, this is kind of odd. I would hope that this is, uh, in a way, a planned thing between both Sony and Microsoft. And, and of course it may be the publisher because if not, I can see this, going one of two ways. If it is, if this is all part of the plan and and Sony just let Microsoft have this big win, then I could see that that is more of an open response to us potentially getting Games Pass on, on Sony consoles. Yeah. Oh, real quick, by the way, just because uh-huh. I'm sure I double question myself as soon as I said it. Events transpired. Perspire is sweat. Yeah. I didn't know you were I realized as soon as I said it, but you were talking, I was trying not to interrupt, but I was like, I don't want to sound that stupid. I realized, uh, yeah, so words, events transpired. Yeah, but words mix up, it's fine. Yeah, to, but, your, to your point, though, yeah, I thought about that, too. That was like one of the first things that came to my mind once I really kind of wrapped my, my mind around it was, could this be the stepping stones to seeing Game Pass come to dude, PS5? If, if we got Games Pass, but, I would be so hyped. Because you th- people people really underestimate the the greatness of Games Pass and its and its affordability and the value you get for that and knowing that but all the games that are on there that have like multiplayer games like Outriders that just came out and like Sea of Thieves these are games that like when you and buddies are bored on a weekend it's like hey let's all like play this game because first of all it doesn't cost us anything technically it does but not at the moment and B. You all just get to have a fun time, and even if it's for a day, and you lost nothing but time, and even if even if you like plan on not going back to it. But the other side of this is that if this is not planned, this is going to push Sony further away from allowing Games Pass, yeah. which is not the future I want to see. Well, I, w- I want Games Pass on on PS5. I've, and I think a lot of people honestly do. I think that there are people who can still view Game Pass as a questionable thing because... Again, as we've continuously been told, and like moves like this must cost so much money, which right now Microsoft apparently has money to burn through. Uh, I think it might have been Rude Days, it might have been Blake. I can't remember who exactly said it, but they mentioned that uh, one of the industry insiders, like Jeff Grub, Grub, uh, is that his name? Um, he came from GameSpot. Now I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, they were talking about him saying that apparently they have so much money that they have to spend it otherwise they'll start losing some for no reason other than just losing it so well, now right now they're just throwing the money out being yeah. like let's just make stuff with it that could potentially make us money in the long run it's like the thing in the office like where they had a budget and they're not gonna hit budget they're gonna lose it they might as well spend it yeah and if they spend it then it's all gonna be net worth to them at that point in time may not be later on the road which is why you see google do stuff dumb like cancel everything they ever do <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you think that the entirety of Stadia was just them being like, eh, screw it. We got a lot of money in the bank. Let's Absolute- just dip our toe in the gaming and then absolutely. back out because at least we did something with the money. 100%. Absolutely. That's what it was. That's such a dumb way to do business because then I don't want to do business with you anywhere else. But Good luck. They're getting a monopoly on things. <laughs> I tell you. But going back to Microsoft and that, yeah, I do think that that's uh, – I think a lot of people in the long run want that. I think there's a lot of questions about Game Pass, the fact that it has to meet a certain subscriber point to make money, and then they keep adding more games day one, which has to cost more, and then does that mean that eventually the cost to break even continues to – Saw has dropped it like three, four times this episode. Three times. No, the second time this episode. I dropped it three times. The one before that was before we started. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think when you look at this, the question becomes like, does Game Pass stay $10 a month? Does Game Pass Ultimate say $15 a month? Because they're, they're constantly raising the bar of what it takes to make money. Do they care right now? No. What events could happen? that actually make them have to go back and go, oh, now we actually need to make money. This needs to be profitable first. Yeah. There's all sorts of questions, and I understand that. And maybe that's why you don't want it on PlayStation until you have a better understanding of what it's going to be that you're getting into so that you don't give so much of your life to it. But I'll say this. It's a service that you either have or you don't. It's a lot like PS Plus. If you don't have it, you don't have access to those games. You still have access to everything else you've ever bought. And if you didn't buy games during that period, you can still go buy them, at least on these new systems. Not on PlayStation 3, PSP, or soon-to-be PS Vita. Um, But I do think that this is a show of Sony being... This is another show of, I think, questionable leadership through Jim Ryan. And, I, you know, I went from being not too hot on him to being lukewarm to him. And I feel like every couple of months, something circles around. And now, I'm not saying that this is a direct decision of Jim Ryan, but Jim Ryan's going to take the heat considering that he's the one steering the boat right now. So much like Xbox and Phil Spencer gets all the heat for things that maybe wasn't his idea, but he let happen, these are the things. These are the people that are going to take the heat for these decisions. And as much as I'm not going to say it's like outrage, but I ultimately think that Sony had just made one of their most valuable IP every year a better value on the component on the opposing um competition system and that makes zero sense yeah it's it's this console generation here is going to be a weird one dude is, and i think it a, already is is it just one. because it's the first year and that there's a lot going on or is this just because of how different sony and microsoft are right now i think it's how different that they are and it kind of goes back into what we said at the in the last generation like they're getting more and more different they are. And it's going to get to a weird point where they're going to be hard to compare. So actually for um, Community's Take, we had one for Josh that was user submitted. So we have a couple options we go through. He said uh, something for next week that may get a good discussion is what is the longest running game franchise you've ever played? You've never played, right? No. What long running franchise have you? Oh, have you never played? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can't read. So <laughs> do we don't do that as Community's Take? I'm fine with that. Okay. I mean, I... I I would hope I'll say this. I want that. That's fine. That's a good community's take. And it's a, I like the user submitted ones and they're very different, but I would really love to hear from the community just in general, be it yes. random messages, commenting down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, hitting us up on YouTube in the podcast discussion or not in YouTube. I'm sorry. Hitting us up in discord in the podcast discussion chat. I really want to get a feel for where people are on both the actual store shutting down and this MLB I don't want to call it controversy, but I guess that really is what it is. I mean, that's very lukewarm controversy. The, the situation unfolding around MLB, because um, 
I like to say, I, I like to get a feel. One of the things we always say is that, yeah, we're a PlayStation podcast, but I think if, if I think that PlayStation's doing something dumb, I'll say it in a heartbeat. Yep. Because I love PlayStation, but I've also had a number of times throughout my love for PlayStation where I thought, why did you think this was a good idea? Completely stopping supporting the PS Vita two years in and after a host of bad decisions with the Vita to begin with, proprietary memory cards, proprietary chargers, all those things. Uh, then you come by and you make the PS Classic, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's and a terrible garbage. piece of yeah. thing. It was way overpriced. You know, there's a video that I love. It's it's years old now, but it just comes to my mind where a dude, after they came out with that, 3D printed a case for his PSTV, slid the PSTV in there. It looks like a little PlayStation 1 and has so much more functionality. It can play Vita games. Yeah. It can play all the PS1 games. They could have just they, preloaded PS1 games onto a PSTV. They already had that worked out, and they weren't selling them at that point. Just take that. Why develop something new when you used to be like, hey, let's just repurpose the tech in this in a new casing? Here's what I don't get. This was tested. They bad knew decisions. They, That's they, all it is. They knew the emulation of that thing was bad. Yes. Why slap a $100 price point on it? Yeah. Why when, not at least Nintendo, be like 40 bucks? When just, Nintendo's even like $60 for theirs or whatever there's 50 or 60 And for excellent emulation. Yes. And, and then they're like, ours is going to be worse, but we're going to charge them double the price. But oh. uh, so yeah, communities take what is the longest running game franchise you've never played? And of course, where we're talking about, we want your feedback on this topic, but where you can go to do that is you can go to Twitter at triangle SQRD. Give us a follow there. Chit chat with us. Anytime you want, just throw us an at and we'll uh, get with you. Um, our Discord, as we said numerous times, is linked in the description below. There you can, we have a good little bit of tabs that you can go through, explore, get in and chit-chat with us in. And our Facebook group, which is Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. You could just ask to be uh, entered there. One of the mods over there that I'm not part of because I'm on Facebook, they'll let you on in. And That uh, means yeah. you can come and yell all you want to about Saul, and I won't have to tell him. And nobody, and I'll never know. But finally, where you guys can support us is Patreon.com, where, as Brett said, just for $1 a month, you can help support the show, and it really helps out when we want to do cool projects or live uh, live streams of stuff. Technically, if we do like a live stream of like an episode and we get pizza, it pays for the pizza, if you want to look at it in the outward sense. I guess. Yeah, we've so, never actually used it for that. But we I mean, never have, but it, yeah. it, it could if we, if we fell on hard times and we needed Domino's thin crust pepperoni pizza. But <laughs> the, the only, the cure for what ails you. That's, that's all, the cure for what ails you. <laughs> but we appreciate everybody who has joined us today and who will join us in the future. Oh, Thank you all. And I'll leave it up to Brett to read off the patron names. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Thank you guys so much. Shout out to our patrons. Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Rob Warp Point, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you all so much, and we hope you had a great Easter.